Welcome, everyone, to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning into the show, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you. And now let us begin. I am so thrilled to be back this week. Sorry about my two-week hiatus. We had some illness in the family surgeries and honestly we had some family that came in town and it was really nice to see them again and so uh we had a great time of fellowship and reminiscing and kind of doing the things we used to do back when we were growing up so it was a really good time i actually had today's episode already written and god works in mysterious ways And so I think it's so appropriate today to be talking about love. What is love? Love is the greatest thing on this earth. It is something that everyone is searching for. Whether you are a man seeking a wife or a woman seeking a husband or your parents loving on your children, everybody is searching for love. And today, we are going to be talking about what true love really is. That is why the title of this episode is called, What is Love? And no, it's not a play on Night at the Roxbury, but it is so fitting to be talking about love today. Love is amazing. I've experienced love in many different ways in my life. Love from my parents. Love from my siblings, love from different people, love from a wife, love from my kids, and more importantly than any of them all is love from God. And that is the pinnacle of love. So we're going to dive in today to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in the first verse. I want you to go ahead and follow along with me here. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, So as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned and do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So, this scripture is most popularly known as the love chapter. 
So if you ever want to talk about love, you're going to know to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This amazing eight verses here, and it goes all the way to 14, but we stopped at verse 8. But those verses 4 through 8 are most popular at weddings. I can tell you right now, I had it at my wedding. And not only were we celebrating our union together, but we were also celebrating the fact that God brought us together, that he is the one who is above all things, in all things, and controls all things. And he is sovereign over all things. And the fact that he put us two together is beyond description. It's beyond understanding, in my opinion. So we're going to dive into what love is, what, what love is not. And we're going to go through each and every one of these characteristics. And I hope and pray today that your understanding of love will be a little more rich than when you started today. So we're going to talk about real quick what love is and what love is not. So the quick synopsis of what love is, is love is patient, kind, rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and it never fails. Here's a quick little synopsis of what love is not. It is not jealous. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. And it does not rejoice in unrighteousness. So we're going to look at the first one here, what love is not. So this section here is what love is not. Love is not jealous. Jealousy is consumed with what you see others have that you do not have. You eagerly desire to have what they have. Thus, it can lead to a deep resentment of others' blessings and joy. So you might be in a situation where you're with a family member or taking a step farther with a coworker, or maybe it's a, it's a person in the church. And man, they're just so richly blessed and they're not, they're not bragging about it, but they're just, they're just saying how wonderful God is and what he's been doing for them. And if you have a hint of resentment, that is jealousy, my friends. That is jealousy. Do you become jealous when other people are thriving, when other people are being blessed? And a perfect example of this is Facebook and Twitter. You can even go a step farther and you can go Instagram and Snapchat. How many followers do you have? How many people like your stuff? How many people share your stuff? How come I'm not getting as many likes or as views as they are? I'll tell you right now. On Wednesday nights, I record my Bible studies. And there are times where I have thought, man, how can I get more views? How can I do this? And why am I not getting that? And my friends, 
That is not the goal. Now, mine is not coming from a state of jealousy so much as I want people to hear the gospel. I want as many people to hear the gospel as possible. So that's where that comes from. It's not like I'm looking at other people's things and videos and thinking, man, how come I'm not doing that? Now, I'm not going to lie to you. There are times where these, these situations come up and I see vulgarity posted on these social media sites and horrible things on there. And man, they get the thousands upon thousands, even millions of likes and views. And you're wondering, boy, where is our focus as a people? It's certainly not on God, but that's why you're here. You're here because we are digging deep into divine truth. Let's go to the next one. Bragging, showing off, attention seeking. I'll give you an example. People that have been everywhere, they've seen everything, they've done everything. I'm the best, chest pounding. I'm number one. You know these people. Bragging is letting everybody know how great you are. I remember a football player catching this deep Hail Mary pass and basically walked into the end zone. And he acted like he just climbed Mount Everest. I mean, he acted like he did the, like the greatest thing of all time. And he broke all these tackles and he did all these, all this wonderful things. And, to be honest with you, he at the end was holding, he took off his helmet, threw it off the side, just kind of beating his chest, holding his arms up like, I'm the best. I'm the greatest. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And that's not what we as followers of Christ are supposed to be like. We don't brag. We don't show off. We're not seeking attention because everything that we do. All that we say, all that we think, all that we are is for the glory of Christ. Now let's look at the third characteristic of what love is not, and that is arrogance. It's proud and consumed with your own desires and wants. This kind of goes along the same lines as bragging. So I believe that we kind of touched on that there. So fourth characteristic of what love is not, and it's seeking its own. This is a me first mentality. What's in it for me? What do I get out of it? Too many people in this world are consumed with that exact mentality. Anything that goes on, what do I get out of it? Special occasion, what's in it for me? Helping out somebody move, helping an old person across the street, letting someone borrow something of yours. Am I going to get something back for it? Am I going to get a little bit of money for this? Am I even going to get a thank you? People, we are not saved by our good works and our deeds. But we are created by God for good works. The works that we do are the manifestation of a transformed life by the power of the Holy Spirit, by grace through faith. 
And we don't look at this world and think, what's in it for me? Again, if we're focused solely on the glory of Christ, everything for his glory, we're not going to worry about ourselves. We're not going to worry about what we want and what we desire and what other people have. Now, let's go to the fifth characteristic of what love is not. Love is not provoked. Oh, boy. Get ready for this one. This here is where people have short fuses. People have to walk on eggshells around these people. And you know them so well. They're quick-tempered, and they're ready to explode on people for the smallest of things. And to be honest with you, it's hard for me to be around these people. It's hard for me to be patient with those type of people. And that's where our sanctification has to take precedent of everything that the flesh desires of this world, because I ought to be patient. I ought to be bearing with them, as we're going to find out about what love is. And it is so important to be mindful of the things that Christ says to do and what not to do. But it's also another thing to be in step with the Spirit. Because if we're in step with the Spirit, we are loving people as we ought to. And there is no room for forgiveness for them. They hold grudges for something so small that happened about five years ago. And now they'll see this person in the work area and say, oh, hey, how are you doing? And then behind their backs, oh, I hate them so much. How come? Why not? Because they said this about me five years ago. And I just can't stand them now. I'm done with them. Even worse, I've heard people say they're dead to me. There is no love of God in you if you have that mentality. But the world says, you know what? If someone wrongs you, you can hold a grudge. They deserve payback. They deserve your hatred. They're just negative energy, bad vibes. And what Jesus says is bless those who persecute you. That is so countercultural, isn't it? If someone does something to you, you do it right back. That's what the world says, and they'll applaud you for it. That's the right thing to do. When people say that I'm living a hard life, I got news for you. Being a Christian is extremely hard. Because the things that we love to do, we have to learn to hate. And the things that we hate, we have to love to do. Challenging. But thank God that we are not alone. That he supplies us with the strength and the grace that we need. Let's look at the final characteristic of what love is not. And that is, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness. There are so many people who condone unrighteousness and hail people who do these things that are contrary to God's word, and they hail them as heroes. They hail them as heroes. Those who are enablers, 
to unrighteousness. They cheerlead you all the way to destruction because that is where it leads to. And that still stands out to me so much is that people in today's society, the culture, they hail people who are in direct opposition of what God says. And the world gives them high fives, pats on the back, tells them that they're heroes. And in true reality, if they are not repenting of their sins, if they are not putting their trust and faith in Christ, they're headed for eternal destruction. And I want to take a minute here to say something. That all of these characteristics that we just named off, all of them, all the way to jealousy, bragging, arrogance, seeking its own, provoked, taking account of wrong suffered, rejoicing in unrighteousness. Those people, my friends, are not the enemy. They are not the enemy. They are the mission field. They're the mission field. We as Christians cannot live self-righteous, holier-than-thou lives and look down upon people that are in this type of sin and self-destruction tendencies. We have to understand they are the mission field. They are the people we need to pray for. They are the people that we need to share the gospel with. And more importantly than that, and you're probably thinking, well, what's more important than sharing the gospel, Nate? Living out the gospel. It's easy to share the gospel with people, to speak the words. It's a whole different level to live it out to live the way Jesus lived, to walk the way Jesus walked, to love people the way he loved. That's what we're called to do. But we look at these people and we think, Ugh, glad I'm not like them. And guess what, my friends? That is acting like a Pharisee. I'm glad I'm not like one of them. I would challenge you to go back and listen to our episode about the Pharisee and the publican, because that's exactly what we're talking about. They are the mission field. They are the mission field. So instead of listening to these people and hearing about what people are doing that might fit in those categories and looking upon that as in disgust and thinking, oh, how unrighteous and how unholy are they? We need to be praying for them. We need to be witnessing to them. And that really, more than anything else, comes from living a righteous and holy life that is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit through the sanctifying work of the Word. That's the only way it's possible. We are still, as Christians, going to fail and fall short every single day. That is a guarantee. 
but we have to be self-disciplined and have self-control to be spirit-filled, to be spirit-led, to be able to approach these people with the kind of love that we're about ready to to explore here in just a minute. We're going to dive deep into love here in just a minute. I want you to be ready for this. Christians, new Christians, people that do not believe, hear me now. We're going to now look at what love is, the characteristics. Love is patient, number one. Love is patient. I find it very interesting that the Holy Spirit here, through Paul, because we know that all Scripture is God-breathed, uses patience as the first characteristic of what love is. This is important because we live in an era where patience and grace are rare. They're rare. If you are patient with people, you are showing them grace. Being patient means you are long-suffering. The people that curse you out, the people that trash you for no reason, the people that spread gossip and they make up rumors about you, the people that take advantage of you, the people that get the credit for something that you maybe did, and in reality, they're taking it all for themselves. If we are showing them patience, we are showing them grace because that's what God is doing for us. He is so righteous and holy. He has every right to take our lives whenever he wants, whatever he wants. Even the people that blaspheme his name, he still shows them patience. Isn't that amazing? He could he could take them out right now if he wanted to. But Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That is patient. That is love. That is long-suffering. So if Jesus showed patience to us, we need to show patience for others. We as believers need to be thought of as long-suffering. Our fuse is not short, it's long. They can't even see the end of it. And we refuse to retaliate with anger in situations the world would say, that's justifiable. They would applaud you in showing anger, throwing a punch shoving people down, telling people off. Next time you're in a situation where you really want to say something and you want to retaliate with something snarky back or a good comeback or a curse word, bite your tongue because it takes more power to do that than it does to swear someone out. Because why? God tells us to be patient. Let's look at number two. Characteristic number two of what love is. Being kind. All of our schools, this is kind of the mantra. Be kind. Be kind. Show kindness. Kind in the Greek is to be in full service to others. Gentle to people. 
not just to those whom you like or love, but to all, to all, in full service to others. I want you to grasp that for a minute, in full service. Not just open a door for somebody. Not just buying them a coffee. Not just paying for their lunch. But to do the things that you would do for an adored loved one, for someone that is unkind to you. That's the kind of love we're talking about here. We need to show kindness. The world needs kindness. It truly does. The world needs God-like kindness. Now, let's go to the third characteristic. And I kind of went over this a little bit ago. But you know how I said, and what love is not? And I mean, taking account of a wrong suffered. Here we are with taking account of wrong suffered again. Because I think this is so vital. So number three, taking account of wrong suffered. How about that? It does not hold grudges, even if they suffered a wrong to themselves. I had somebody make up a rumor about me. And when I heard about this, I had others that came up to me and said, Nay, aren't you going to do something about that? Aren't you going to confront that person? <laughs> Which is funny because I had no idea who it was anyway. But I said, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. It's not a big deal. And they're like, what do you mean it's not a big deal? People are making up rumors about you and, and it's not true. You don't, you need to defend yourself. I said, no, it's okay. And, and they were taken back by that. This is the verse I was thinking of. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. So you know what? I forgive you. I'm not even going to worry about it because if God can forgive me, a wretched sinner, I can look at another person and forgive them because that's also a command. Forgive as I have forgiven you. But how often have we heard it said that if someone wrongs me, they are my enemy? Probably too many times. And I have to ask you this question now, question after question here. But what did Jesus command us to do regarding our enemies? Matthew 5, 44 says this, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I already alluded to this earlier, but when Jesus was on the cross, he was suffering, and he was dying. And again, going back to part of the gospel is that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. He was innocent by all accounts. And yet people were insulting him so much. They said he had a demon, that he, he got his power from Satan, hurling insult after insult at him. And what was his reaction? He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And that is stunning. That is stunning. Would your and my reaction be of grace in that situation? Probably not. Probably not. But that's what we need to strive for. 
That's why we need to keep pursuing the sanctification of our souls. John 17, 17 says this. Jesus said, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. He was praying for the disciples in this world, for them and then now for us. So sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The Bible is the holy, God-breathed words of God himself. These are the words of God. This is the mind of God. And guess what? His word will sanctify you. So what we have to do? We have to get into it. We have to get in. We have to dig deep. And that's why we're here. Now let's look at the fourth characteristic of what love is. Love rejoices in truth. Number four. Jesus is the truth. The Trinity is the truth. God's word is the truth. We just saw in John 17, 17. Love rejoices in all things of God that we learn about from the Bible. Everything in the Bible is the exact 100% truth. So we rejoice in the attributes of God, the promises of God, the love of God, the justification that God gives us through grace and faith. We rejoice in all those things. We rejoice in His sovereignty. He is sovereign over all things. He is in control of all things. Every aspect of my life, your life, people that don't even belong to the church, don't even belong to Him yet, they are all under His authority. And we have great hope and trust in that. And one of the most comforting things of being a Christian is that God is sovereign. Why? Because I know that if I am at the end of my life, even if I were to die young, I know that God's purpose for me is accomplished and that I'm going to meet the one who died for me, the one who saved me from my wretched sins and saved me from hell. I have great comfort in that. I do. I have great comfort in that. I trust the God who is holding me together, that is sanctifying me, that is making me more like his son, to be completely in control of my life, and that at any point when he calls me home, I want to be a willing slave of his to say, Lord, let your will be done, all for your glory. If it is your will for me to cease on this earth, then let it be, because it's for your glory, according to your will. If I have to suffer, 
if I have to suffer persecution, if I have to be stripped of everything that I have and love, if it is for your glory, according to your will, let it be done. And that's the key, people, according to his will, all for his glory. Everything we do, say, think, and act upon should be for his glory and his glory alone. Now let's look at the fifth characteristic of what love is, and it bears all things. This is also a very challenging piece of scripture here. It bears all things. We endure patiently everything that comes our way. Everything. Just like what I talked about. Not on our own strength, however. But we endure with the promise that God will lead us triumphantly through all our trials. He will, he will see you through. And I know it seems like a pad answer here. But when people are going through difficult trials and they're asking me to pray for them, or I just tell people I'm praying for you, and that God's going to see you through the storm, that is not just a cool lyric I heard off a song, and I thought, well, that's great. Give him a little Bible verse, that, sh that should take care of it. No, I'm saying that because God has delivered me through the most difficult of trials. Trials that I never thought would end. I'm being completely honest with you here. I'm being completely open. He sought me through it all. Did it take years at times? Yes. Sometimes it was just a few months. Sometimes it was just a week. But sometimes it was years. But I trusted God all the way through. And I'll tell you right now, even if, even if the trials I was going through never ceased, I would still be rejoicing in God because He is sovereign and He is good. And he works for those who love him. So, we bear all things with a smile on our face, with overflowing joy in our hearts when we go through trials, because it develops perseverance. And we also run the race in such a way that as to win the prize. And you know, I used this analogy before, but it's like running a mile. First lap you run, not too bad. I can still breathe well. I'm running upright. I feel great. Second lap hits, legs are starting to get a little heavy. Getting a little bit slowing down in here a little bit. Third lap comes, your legs are like two anchors. Breathing heavy all over the place. And every time I ran the mile, I got to the halfway point of the last lap. And I would tell myself up in my brain, even though my body was arguing with me the whole time, I'm going to sprint this last half of this race and finish strong. And I would. And I'll tell you, it, I had this extra burst of energy, and I get around, and I get past the finish line, and then... Woo! <laughs> Extremely tired. Well, what does it have to do with this, Nate? It has everything to do with it. See, 
that race I was just talking about there, that is based upon our strength and conditioning. But God gives us the strength to persevere through the most severest of trials. And he also promises us that there will be no temptation in which we will not be able to escape. And that's an amazing promise. So we can bear with whatever we go through because God is not going to give us something that we cannot handle with him by our side. And now let's look at the seventh characteristic of what love is. And that is hopes all things. And I looked up the Greek for this, and you're going to love it. It says, actively waiting for God's fulfillment about the faith he has and birthed through the power of his love. We have a living hope through Christ's resurrection. Since he rose from the dead, we who are in him will be raised in glory. And he is our blessed hope, isn't he? He is our hope. Everything that we are is based solely on his death, burial, and resurrection. And in the midst of all these trials, in the midst of everything that we go through, we never lose hope. Because once again, we have a living hope. Characteristic number eight, endures all things. Endures all things. We stand firm. The last episode we had, we talked about having our spiritual foundation being built upon Christ, the rock. If he is our foundation, nothing this world can hit us with will ever shake us. We might bend a little bit. We might waver just a, just a little. But we are never going to be moved. And that is a promise. That is a promise. And last but certainly not least, the last characteristic here, love is never failing. Never fails. When Jesus was on this earth, he never failed. When he was on the cross, he completed the mission of redemption. He did not fail. God's love is the sustainer that gives us life. God's love never fails in penetrating the heart, restoring the soul, and making the broken complete. God has never failed us and will never fail us. His perfect love drives out the deepest, darkest fear and replaces that fear with steadfast faith that is unshakable. It's unshakable. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, It is accomplished. Everything that he did on this earth was accomplished. The mission of redemption for our souls had been completed. And now as we wrap up, that perfectly leads us into next week's episode.
But before we get there, we ask the question early on, what is love? Better question is, who is love? And that is next week's episode. I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. I pray that you're staying strong during this time. I'd like to challenge you to dig deeper in the Word. Get in the Word every single day. Be of prayer. Pray for those who persecute you. And strive to walk as Jesus did. And until next time, God bless my friends.